the Holy Gospel of our Savior Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Jesus said, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those at his right hands, Come, you that are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food, or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And when was it that we saw you a stranger and welcomed you, or naked and gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king will answer them, Truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. Then he will say to those at his left hand, You that are accursed, depart from me into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me, naked and you did not give me clothing, sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they also answered, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not take care of you? Then he will answer them, Truly I tell you, just as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. The Gospel of the Lord. So this Sunday, as I said before, we are celebrating the Feast of, Christ, of the Reign of Christ, uh, which is traditionally called the Feast of Christ the King. And um, I think I've said before, maybe preached last year this time, um, that this is not my favorite uh, feast uh, in the church's calendar. Um, I'm not a big fan of it, uh, first of all, because of the gender challenges. You know, we, we change it from Christ the King to the Reign of Christ to try to get away from patriarchal language. Um, uh, but even switching to the reign of Christ still uses sort of power dynamic language that that's complicated. So that doesn't even um, solve all the, the, the challenges for the, uh, the way we think about power these days. Um, uh, but I'm also not a um, fan because I don't terribly like um, how we got to the place of having this this church feast. It's not an ancient, ancient thing that's been around since the early days. Um, uh, it started in the early 20th century. Um, a pope uh, in the 1920s uh, uh, sort of started this as a, as a feast, and then Anglicans, Episcopalians, and other traditions sort of added it to their calendar as well. Um, and so it emerged in the church sort of uh, at a time when a number of the things that Christians were doing were... Uh, in response to secularism and uh, and critical thinking of the time, 
Um, it was the church sort of being afraid for its own authority and feeling under attack, and so wanting to create um, uh, ways of talking about authority. So, you know, the infallibility of the Pope emerges around this time. That's not an ancient Roman Catholic practice. Um, the inerrancy of scripture uh, amidst you know, sort of Christ more conservative brands of Christianity, uh, that emerges at this time. Also not an ancient Protestant way of thinking about the Bible. All of these things were in response to the church feeling under attack. And so Christ the King uh, has a very similar sort of um, sort of place. You know, it's about, um, you know, we're afraid that these secularists, these atheists, these people thinking in these new ways are are going to undercut our authority. So we're going to remember that Jesus is the king and he's in charge. Um, so, um, you know, I, if I'm being flippant uh, and uh, uh, exaggerating a little bit, you know, you know, it, this is something like, you know, Make Christianity Great Again Sunday. It's a, it's a similar impulse to sort of want to protect uh, the institution um, with some kind of notion of, of a history um, that needs to be protected uh, rather than being open to something new that's being spoken into the world. Um, so, um, not my favorite. Um, uh, and... You know, it is easy to sort of uh, get on your high horse when you're judging others that are, aren't willing to op be open to change and hold on to new things or, you know, uh, you know, many people in, at St. James's, you know, will uh, aren't inclined to put on a Make America Great hat again. So that's where we can fall into sort of self-righteousness and that sort of thing. Um, uh, but I think it's worth me remembering for myself and all of us to sort of wonder what are the ways we do that similar sort of thing that we grasp onto things that we're not open and we're not open to change um out of fear out of insecurity when do we sort of um try to make things more firm and tight and and give more power to things that uh that shouldn't have that um what are the ways that we fall into this very same trap of uh, needing unhealthy brands of authority um, in our world to sort of hold on to some sense of stability. Now I'm going to shift gears a little bit um, and and maybe uh, dig myself an even deeper hole. If 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 I, if I dug a, a little bit of a hole in chatting about uh, poo pooing a, a Christian feast. I'm, I'm gonna go deeper because I'm now going to talk a little bit about money. Um, so we are also in a time in our uh, calendar when our, our church stewardship uh, team works on our pledge campaign for the upcoming year. Um, and so they, the stewardship uh, committee, of which I'm a part, uh, asked me if I would speak a little bit about, um, about stewardship and about money. Um, in the season we find ourselves in. Um, and so I uh, said, okay, uh, but uh, I, I, I queried them about what are the sort of things that they uh, would like to hear, think should be said, would feel uncomfortable hearing. I just wanna get their feedback um, because money's a complicated topic for many of us. Um, and, you know, I was, <laughs> the feedback I got was, was uh, 
amusing, if not terribly uh, helpful, because it was it, it was a wide range of responses. Um, you know, one person said um, that we all know that money is important, and the church needs money to balance the budget. So it, we should just talk about it. Um, someone else uh, said that um, that God asks us to to give, and so this is an important thing to talk about from the from the from the pulpit. Um, another person said, I really don't like hearing money sermons because because I feel guilty about, you know, I wish I could give more and I don't think I can right now uh, in my budget. But but so anytime a, a money sermon comes up, uh, the feelings that emerge are hard ones to sit with. And so I don't like hearing that. Um, I'm really appreciative that that person shared that because um, she speaks for many of us, I think. Um, and then John Irvine, uh, the sort of the chair of the committee, sort of said, "Well, I think Matt, you can do it, and you can do it kindly and sensitively." Um, so thanks, John, for that encouragement. Uh, I will see if I succeed. Um, all of us um, have some relationship to money. Um, for some, it's e it's an easy thing to manage. For some, actually using other, our, the, our financial resources um, is just energizing and good. Um, but for every person like that, there's two or three for whom there's all these other harder feelings to manage. Um, you know, the, the person on the stewardship committee, I think she spoke about guilt, I think. Um, for some, it's stress, you know, especially for those that have less, um, you know, totally understandable if you go through life not knowing how you're going to pay your bills. Um, any think, you know, that's going to be the natural first feeling that comes when you, when you wrestle with questions around money. Um, uh, it's also what, what we grew up with, you know, you know, we all, we've all heard the stories about the people that grew up in the depression and, and how they, you know, would hold on to things, you know, with a, with a, a rigor because they were born in this spirit of, of poverty, um, and, and they're not being enough. Um, easy to easy to ask someone who you know who grew up with with plenty to be generous you know it's a totally different story if you if your life story has been living on the edge um, where you still are um the other feeling of course is uh that, that some people experience in a money sermon is some sort of something that feels like dirty or manipulative um you know the church has not been um you know, it's not just the Jimmy Swaggerts or, you know, televangelists that have done lousy stuff with money um, and, and make people feel like when someone with a collar um, is talking about money, um, they're just trying, some part of them feels manipulated or coerced. Um, uh, that's a natural feeling given how the church has failed in, in this regard in so many, so many ways throughout history. Um, so um, this is all to say get this, Talking about money, talking about giving, um, brings up all kinds of stuff for us. Um, and I do think it's good to face it because obviously the way to get through hard feelings is not to just avoid them, but to, um, but to, but to sort of engage with them and move through them. Um, so I don't think this, I don't think I'm doing something that I shouldn't do right now. Um, but, um, I also want to acknowledge just how hard it is. Um, and Especially, I, I have mixed feelings about offering this part of my sermon because we're in pandemic. And we've already got so much stuff going on in our heads and hearts um, with all the stuff, go, you know, rumbling in our world. Um, you know, pandemic, racism, election, chaos. Um, 
I, I don't I don't want to be piling on on some level you know just mute the rest of my in the next three minutes of my sermon if this is too much for you um, but I will say you know what, what is I think important is is God you know the purpose of stewardship and what God wants of us is, is fundamentally not about these feelings you know maybe you have to work through them um, you know for me it's I'm also in the guilt category I have to sometimes work through some of that stuff um, but ultimately, you know, that's not what it's about. You know, God wants to get us through to that place where the giving that we do and the thinking we do about the giving that we do is life-giving. You know, it's not about um, taking away from us so we have less. It's about giving us lives where we have more, where we're more ourselves, where we're more free, where we're more open, where we sort of have a like a, a fluid reciprocity with the other, you know, be they a family, be they our friends, be they our church, be they a stranger, be they our God, you know, giving is, is, is about opening up and, and having a, a more human, full, good life and not a life of, of deprivation. That's not what God asks of us. Um, and I think, you know, to some extent that that's part of the, what's going on in today's gospel reading which helps me, um, for me, kind of redeems a little bit of this idea of, of king or, or, or reign. Um, so, yeah, just to, you know, to go back to the gospel story, you know, I, I was imagining that this week that as Jesus is telling this story, he tells it um, with sort of like a playful sort of false grandiosity, you know, not a very serious, like, like uh, you know, th these, are the, these are the words you need to know. Um, so I was imagining it sounding a little bit more like when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of glory, dot, dot, dot. It's almost like playfully, we know this is a little bit, a little bit uh, foolishly grandiose. Um, and then Jesus shifts his, his tone, you know, you, you know, when you meet this king, you know, by contrast with that false, ridiculous, big thing, um, you may meet him with the hungry and the thirsty. You meet him with the stranger and in prison. Um, this king um, is trying to point out uh, that whoever this king is, um, he's not one that you meet, you know, in the way you expect to meet a, you know, a greater than life kind of sovereign. Um, we don't meet this king at a throne where we expect he'd be, but in the main mundane day-to-day -day give and take of relationships where we don't expect to meet this king. You know, we meet Christ with the poor. We meet this Christ with the disenfranchised. And we meet this Christ with the neighbor. You know, I had a, a conversation earlier this week with a, a member of our congregation. Um, uh, it, it was one of those moments uh, that preachers love because when the person says the words come out of their mouth, you know they're going to go on your sermon on that Sunday. Those are the best conversations for us preachers. Um, so in any event, uh, this, this, this gentleman is speaking about Jesus. And we're talking about what the gospel and about what a wise and holy and good life looks like. Uh, and out of the blue, because um, it wasn't exactly where we were in the conversation, um, you know, he says, the neighbor is our point of reference for the gospel. The neighbor is our mirror. The neighbor provides the place for our practice. 
One more time, this member of our congregation says these words that just, uh, you know, blew my mind and were wonderful. Uh, the neighbor is our point of reference for the gospel. The neighbor is our mirror. The neighbor provides the place for our practice. I think this gets at what's going on in today's gospel. Um, and, it, and, and gets at why we give both our time and our heart and our money, um, but all of it all the giving that we do. We don't fundamentally do it out of duty. We certainly don't do it out of some calculus that, you know, X much giving leads to X much access to heaven or happiness. Um, I don't even think we fundamentally do it out of equity, not that those of us with more uh, lose so others can have more that started with less. I think that's part of it. That certainly is a gospel value to some extent. But I don't think that's the heart of it. Um, no, I think the heart of the giving that Christians are called to simply is for the purpose of connecting with the neighbor and the other. It's sort of one of the ways that we sort of grease the wheels of relational inter-exchange. In the giving that we do, our compassion expands for the other. In the giving that we do, the neighbor becomes a mirror that reveals to us deeper sides of our own selves. In the giving that we do, our humanity flourishes. And in the giving that we do, we do meet the king. That king that we learn is not one who exercises coercive patriarchal power, but rather it's a king who just joins us where we are in love.